if you would, to your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, we're in a study that we've entitled Valley of Decision. Now, we get that title from Joel chapter 3, verse 14, where the prophet made this comment, he made this statement, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I want to suggest to you this morning that the day of the Lord is much nearer than when Joel wrote these words. In fact, the day of the Lord is very nigh to us. And as we stated last week, when it comes to prophecy, there are prefillments, there are fulfillments, and there are ultimate fulfillments throughout the Scripture. And what we mean by this is that prophecy has an ultimate fulfillment that will be fulfilled in the end. Yet throughout history, we see fulfillment of prophecy in a prefilling way. Now what we're doing in the, with this prophecy of Joel is looking at how it has been prefilled many times in history. However, there will be an ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy one day. In the end, this prophecy will be ultimately fulfilled. And in the process of looking at this, I hope it will cause us to see that there are consequences for decisions that we make in life. Each and every one of us here this morning have made decisions in life and we must understand that there are consequences for the decisions we make, whether good or bad. And these consequences are what we are referring to as valley of decision. Because when we make decisions in life, we better understand they all have a consequence. Now the dictionary defines a valley as being an elongated depression or low-lying area between two high ridge points. In other words, the, de the definition of a valley is you have two high ridge points, and in between that is this elongated depression, and that is what is referred to as a valley. Now, one Hebrew definition of a valley refers to a deep place that exists between parallel mountain ridges. Therefore, a valley of decision would be those low times in our life that are brought about as a result of a consequence to a decision or decisions that we have made in life either as an individual, as a people, or as a nation. Now, also in prophetic literature, valleys are often depicted as low points in the timeline of history between two major epic events. And people often refer to, you know, a great emotion-filled times as spiritual highs in their life and, and, and mountaintop experiences. And then they refer to other times in their life as deep depression or these deep depressed times in our life or these, uh, you know, anguished times within our life as a valley or a low point within our life. Now, in these, you know, valleys, these valleys of decision, we receive the consequences of these evil choices that we make in life. Now today I want to look at a group of people who had to face a valley of decision 
and how it cost them dearly. In fact, it cost these people that we're going to look at today their lives. So let's get started on this this morning. First of all, we must understand that one cannot just live the li their life the way they want and not expect a valley of decision for their actions. Yet as we look around today, we see people who are just living all types of ungodliness, you know, and, and, and they act like there is never going to be a day of judgment. And I mean, that's not just those heathens outside the church that we refer to. Let me tell you, we have people within our churches who are living their life the way they want, and they don't think there's ever going to be a day of reckoning as a result of it. There is always a price to be paid for valleys of, uh, within our life. And the lesson of this valley of decision that we're going to look at this morning here in 1 Kings chapter 18 you know, it costs these people very dearly. Let's begin by looking at verses 21 and 22. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, now look at his words here, how long halt ye between two opinions? Again, I believe there's a lot of people in a lot of churches today who are halting between two opinions. And we're going to look at that a little bit more in detail. If the Lord be God, I mean, he just got down to the, the, the nuts and bolts here. You're halting between two opinions, folks, he says. He says, but if the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. You see, Elijah made it easy on him. Choose your God and follow him. You can't have them both. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, Remain a prophet of the Lord. Wow. Those are some pretty strong words. Elijah's saying there's no other prophets of the Lord. I am the only prophet of the Lord. You see, Isaiah, what he was fixing to do here, there was no one else that would do that. And I believe our pulpits are full of people today who, who, who are, are not willing to stand and proclaim the true word of God. And I believe the reason our nation is in the shape it's in today because we have so many passive pastors, so many passive evangelists who are not willing to share the true Word of God. And I, I tell you what, sometimes I feel like Elijah here that I'm the only one that's willing to speak out. I know that's not true. But sometimes I feel that way. He says, I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. Now let's break this down. First of all, what Elijah is saying here that it is impossible to conjoin the service of God with that of the world. Folks, you cannot do it. You see, how long will you halt between two opinions, he says. Now, literally, that simply means how long will you hop between two branches? You say, how long will you hop between two branches? That's the little meaning here. You see, the metaphor is taking from birds who hop from branch to branch. Have you ever watched a bird hop up in a tree and he'll hop on this branch and he'll sit there a few minutes and he'll hop on this branch and he, he don't know where he wants to be. And folks, we got a lot of people in our churches that don't know where they want to be. They're hopping from branches to branches within their life and they're not knowing where to settle. And so many people, again, are like that today. They're hopping around, they're wanting the benefits of Christianity, yet they're wanting to still hold on and, and, and uh, experience the pleasures of the world. Can I tell you something? There is no such thing as pleasures of this world. They're only temporal. 
Satan can disguise them and make them seem like a pleasure, but they're all going to be burnt up someday. They want the benefits of being a Christian, but they want to hold on to those things that the world has to offer. And again, this cannot happen. You must seize your hopping around, and you must choose God or choose the world. That's just the bottom line here. Look here. You cannot straddle the fence and not come away unharmed. You can't do it. You see, these people had no idea what they wanted. Basically, what Elijah was saying to them was this, as long as you're going to sit on the fence, or how long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is real, follow him. If his Baal is real, you know, follow him. Make up your minds. Make up your minds. You see, we have a lot of people in our world today who need to make up their minds as who they're going to serve. And I'm going to bring it a little bit closer to home. We have a lot of people in our, in our, our world today, in our churches today, who need to make up their mind as to who they are going to serve. Look, the world and Christianity, the world and Christians are like oil and water. They do not blend. So if you're going to, if you're going to serve Christ, then serve Him. But if, if you're, if you're going to serve the world then serve the world. Now, some of you may be thinking right now, wait a minute, Pastor, are you saying that I should not come to church if I'm going to involve myself in the things of this world? Are you telling me that you're drawing a line in the sand and you're saying either serve God or serve the world because I can't do them both? Listen, what I'm saying is you cannot serve Christ and the world at the same time. What I'm saying is you must choose one or the other. Folks, that's where we're at in our world today. We're close to the end time, and it's time we choose whom we're going to serve. If you claim to be a Christian, yet you're involved in some of the open sin in this world, all you're doing is doing the name of Christ harm and disgrace. Because when you, when you publicize that you're a Christian, what you're saying is, I am a little Christ. And if the world is looking at your lifestyle, if the world is looking at you and saying, well, if that's what a Christ-like person is, if that's what a Christian is, I'm really no worse than they. And what we're doing is harm to the name of Christ. And listen. If you're living that type of lifestyle, yet you're still wanting to hold on to Christ, you are going to face a valley of decision for those actions. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? We are in the last days, folks, and it's time that Christians fully commit themselves to Jesus Christ and stop playing games. This world is in the shape it's in. Our nation is in the shape it's in because far too long, quote, Christian people have been playing games. They've been hopping on the branches as the birds. They've been hopping here and there. They've been wanting the benefits of Christianity, but the things of the world. And I'm like Elijah this morning. It's time to make a choice. And if there's any hope for America, Christians are going to have to make a choice. If there's any hope for America, Christians are going to have to begin taking a stand for every word that's in this Bible. And we've got to stop playing around. second thing I want you to see here. We must make up our minds as to our commitment to Christ. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? If you're going to follow him, then follow him. 
If all we want to do is hop from one limb to the next, you're no good to Christ. You're no value to the kingdom. You see, we bring shame on the name of Christ, and we will suffer dearly in a valley of decision for it. What did he say? How long halt you between two opinions? Now, the second thing I want you to see here is this. The one true God will always prevail. Look at verse 36 through 40. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be made known this day. In other words, Elijah was tired of playing games. He was tired of playing games with the people. He was tired of playing games with these other gods. He was tired of being, you know, the only prophet out there. And he said, no, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and we're going to find out once and for all. We're going to show these people once and for all who the true living God is. So he said, let's see, here's what he said. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, now look at this. When all the people saw it, this 850 prophets, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Now, did they repent at that point? Some may think they did. They finally ad admitted that the Lord God, Jehovah, was God. But I want you to look what happened. Let's read on. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of, of Kesha and slew them there. Now, what was taking place here is this, folks. Elijah proposed to decide for them the controversy between God and Baal by a visible token from heaven. That's what was going on here. As far was the element of Baal, you know, who Baal was supposed to preside over, Elijah proposed that these Two bullocks should be slain and placed upon separate altars of wood, the one for Baal and the other for God, and, and on whichever one the fire came down and consumed it, the event would determine who was the one true God. The proposal, it, 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 it went over good because the people knew that their God, or they thought their God, Baal, was the prophet of fire, and surely he would come down and consume the offering. So what they did is, when, when you, you can read back up there a little farther, the, the priest of Baal, Baal, they began to commence their ceremony. They began dancing and chanting and cutting themselves and screaming and hollering and doing all this hoopla. And what we're told is from morning till noon they did it. And they looked around and nothing happened. From noon till evening they did it. And they looked around and nothing happened. They, they continue to cry. They continue to cut themselves. Still, their God did not answer. No response was heard. No fire descended. No response from their God. You know why? He was dead. 
They worshiped a dead God. Then, having arranged all the cut pieces of bullock, you know, Elijah had put, you know, had the men put four barrels of water all over the altar, all around the trenches, once, twice, for the third time, and he dumped all of this water. And he offered this earnest prayer to God. And when he did, fire came down from heaven. We're told that it consumed not only the sacrifice, but even every stone in the entire altar. The impression on the minds of the people was that of admiration mixed with awe. And with one voice, they acknowledged the supremacy of Jehovah as the one true God. But you know what? It was too late. They were already in a valley of decision. And it cost them their life. You see, Elijah then called on them to cease the 450 prophets of Baal. He called on them to, 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 to take the 400 prophets of the groves, which ate at Jezebel's table. And with their blood, it filled the river, which was dry. You see, they paid in a valley of decision with their life. And because of choosing Baal over Jehovah, they would face that decision with their blood. The next thing I want you to see there, it's a dangerous, it is dangerous to halt between the service of God and the service of sin, the dominion of Christ and the dominion of our own lust. The fourth thing there is the Bible be the word of God. Let us reference and receive the whole of it and submit our understanding to the divine teaching and contents. And fifthly there, if Jesus be the only Savior, let us cling to him alone for everything, for everything. You see, the choice is no one's but our own, folks. Each one of us in here this morning have a choice to make. The choice is no one's but our own. The choice to follow God and walk on mountaintop experiences or the choice to follow the world and walk in valleys of decision that it's going to cost us dearly. It could cost us with sickness. It could cost us with disease. It could cost us even with our life. Listen to me just for a moment. I'm afraid that the United States of America is in a valley of decision at this time in our history. I believe we're walking in a valley of decision as a nation. We have a president in Barack Hussein Obama who is bowing to the God of Muhammad. We have a Congress who bows to the God of money and fames. We have leaders all throughout our nation who bow to the God of pride, the God of sexual immorality, the God of material wealth. We have people who are set up as heroes simply because they have a sex change. Yeah, Bruce Jenner is a hero. Because he had enough, uh, you know, self-confidence to come out and, and, and admit after 65 years he's a woman inside. And he's set up as a hero. We have sports players. We have others who are, who are proud to stand up and announce that they're homosexual. And even, the, even Barack Hussein Obama called Warren Sapp and congratulated him for coming out of the closet. Can you imagine the president of our United States patting someone on the back for... Finally admitting he's homosexual? Folks, we're in a valley of decision as a nation. 
And as a nation, we're no better than Sodom and Gomorrah, and God is not going to tolerate this much longer. You know, where are the Elijahs of today who would boldly stand and draw a line in the sand and challenge these leaders along with their other gods? Listen, our pulpits are lacking prophets who will stand and speak boldly and challenge these issues and challenge our leaders of our nation along with their false gods and stand bold and fight against it. And you know what? Because we have passive leaders in our pulpits, what we have wound up with is passive people in our pews who could care less where we are as a nation, who could care less where we are as a people, who could care less where we are as children of God. America is in a valley of decision. Can I tell you something? The end result is not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Some say, well, you know, uh, that's the way God designed it. If that's, in the, if that's in prophecy, there's nothing we can do about it anyway. You're one of the passive people. You're one of the passive people. It doesn't matter. We still got to take a stand for righteousness as children of God. Look, it's been Satan's strategy since the beginning of time to recruit people, you know, of this world to, uh, into an epic battle against the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And just as the prophet Elijah over 3,000 years ago challenged the children of Israel, if the Lord be God, then follow him. If it be Baal, then follow him. Folks, we're just offering you a challenge this morning. If it be God, then follow God. If it be this world, then go follow the world. It's that plain and it's that simple. You say, that's pretty harsh, Pastor. At least if they're coming to church, maybe there's hope. Huh. Okay? I guess that's a good way of thinking. Folks, we've got to stop playing games. This world is soon going to face a valley of decision. And where are we going to be? Either this world is going to follow Jesus Christ in the end or it's going to choose Satan's deceptive masterpiece, the Antichrist. And this is the ultimate fulfillment of this promise or this prophecy we were talking about. However, today, you personally are faced with a decision that you need to consider right here this morning. If the Lord be your God, then follow him. But if the world is your God? Follow it. Follow it. We've got to stop playing games. We've got to get serious. Time is short. And if we as Christians do not band together and do what we can to take back our nation, we're doomed. We're doomed. You know, this next two years, with the current administration, if the Christian people do not rise up, as did Elijah, and we, draw, we don't draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough, folks, the next two years, it's not going to matter who's president. We're going to be in such bad shape that I don't know if there's going to be any hope. We have to rise up, church. We have to rise up as people of God. 
And you personally, that choice is yours this morning. You can, again, choose to follow the world and suffer the consequences of your decision in a valley of decision. You know, Joshua was once faced with a choice like this one day. And in, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua, and I'm going to end with this. Joshua had this to say when he was faced with a decision to follow the Lord or follow the world. Here's what Joshua said. And if it seemed evil or undesirable unto you to serve the Lord, choose you tomorrow, next week, oh, today. Choose you today whom you're going to serve. Rather the gods which your father served on the other side or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, what are we going to do? Say it again. Serve the Lord. What are you going to do this morning? What are you going to do? What is your choice this morning? Only you know. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. The first thing you need to do is, is find him as your Lord and Savior through salvation. We sang about that uh, uh, grace this morning, God's grace. He's willing this morning to pull you out of this world of sin and to give you salvation and eternal hope. But you've got to come to it. You've got to confess your sin that you're a sinner and you, and you want Christ to be Lord of your life. So if you're here this morning and you don't know him as your personal Savior, in just a moment we're going to stand up and do a song of invitation and I want to invite you to come. And let's, let, let's get you to the cross. But child of God, if you're here and you are saved, but you've you just been like the bird hopping from branch to branch, you know, today you'll be in church, tomorrow you'll be out in the world, today you'll be in church, tomorrow there's no telling where. Stop hopping around. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And let's make that choice this morning. Let's pray.